to a Hope 103.2 podcast. There is a more sophisticated path open to those who want to speak of a universal oneness of religions. Aware of the intractable contradictions between the faiths, some theologians have begun to argue that while there are few explicit ideas common to the world religions, there is an implicit big idea made apparent by all of them. This grand truth, says the sophisticated pluralist, has little to do with praying to Allah five times a day, or following the Buddha's eightfold path, or trusting in Jesus' death and resurrection. These are merely human attempts to tap into some deeper spiritual reality. Individual religions do not describe this reality. They merely express a longing to experience it. They are spiritual emblems, if you like. Influential US theologian Marcus Borg has recently offered an argument along just these lines. Marcus Borg dubs his approach to religions the sacramental approach. By this he means that the importance of religions lies not in their particular claims to truth, their doctrines, but in their capacity to connect believers with the sacredness that lies behind these claims. Religions mediate spiritual reality without actually possessing that reality themselves. Borg uses the analogy of communion, or the Lord's Supper, which is why he calls his view sacramental. The bread and wine, he says, convey a sense of Jesus' death and ongoing presence without actually containing those things. In a similar way, he argues, the beliefs and practices of Buddhism, Christianity, Islam and so on mediate an experience of ultimate reality without truly describing or laying hold of it. Sophisticated pluralism offers what so many want, a way of thinking about the world religions as equally valid. But this form of pluralism delivers far less than it promises. To begin with, pluralists like Marcus Borg never explain how they know that no religion actually describes the reality they mediate. Does the pluralist have access to something no one else does? Some true knowledge of this ineffable reality? If not, how can they say that no religion contains truth in an absolute sense? So far as I can tell, this question is never confronted in the vast literature on pluralism. Pluralists simply affirm their position with something resembling evangelistic zeal. The presumption of sophisticated pluralism is also spectacular. In essence, pluralism insists that although the world religions are entitled to their perceptions of reality, believing in Christ or Buddha or whatever, the truth of the situation, understood only by the pluralist, is that this reality defies their attempts to describe and embrace it. Pluralism, in other words, claims to have discovered a bigger truth that none of the individual religions has observed before. It then suggests that the smaller truths the religions thought they could see, Jesus' death for sins, for example, are in fact mistaken. They are mere symbols and sacraments of sacredness. Well, that's a big call. By describing religions as true in a manner none of them has affirmed before, and false in all the ways they have always affirmed, pluralism assumes an intellectual high ground that far exceeds the claims of the world religions. It's true that Christianity, for example, on the basis of Jesus' resurrection, makes the grandiose claim that two-thirds of the world's peoples are mistaken in their religious beliefs. 
But this can't be any less acceptable than the tiny minority of Western pluralists arguing without any attempt to substantiate the position that the entire religious majority of the world is in possession of mere sacraments of a reality they don't themselves understand. Pluralism is frequently presented as the most bearable way to think about the world religions. Marcus Borg is up front about this, actually. He insists that the idea of millions of non-Christians falling under God's judgment is simply intolerable. Some version of pluralism, then, has to be proposed just to cope with the fact that most people in the world don't belong to a single religious tradition. Pluralism, in other words, is more bearable in our modern global context. Well, that's what Marcus Borg would say. I don't think pluralism does avoid unbearableness. As I've just said, pluralism might not consign anyone to hell, since pluralists don't believe in hell, but it does consign virtually every religious tradition, except pluralism, to wholesale error. Remember, while pluralism sees all religions as vehicles of the sacred, it insists that none of the religions actually has a true description of the sacred. Even if pluralism were a more bearable way to think about religious truth, since when has bearableness been a compelling basis for determining whether or not something is true? Plenty of unbearable things also happen to be true. The fact that more than 90% of the world's wealth is in the hands of less than 10% of the world's people is for me an unbearable thought. But that has no bearing on whether the statistic is true, which it sadly is. Bearableness might provide a motivation for adopting a viewpoint like pluralism, but it doesn't provide a justification for doing so. Another motivation for embracing some form of pluralism is the fear of intolerance. History is littered with examples of violent intolerance on the part of those who believed their religion was the only truth. Pluralists then say it's better to drop all that talk of absolute truth and view each other's religions as vehicles of the sacred without actually being true descriptions of the sacred. Now, I suspect that many devoutly religious people, whether Buddhist or Muslim or whatever, would find this more patronising than tolerant. Leaving that aside, though, surely the solution to intolerance is not to jettison the idea of spiritual truth, but to work toward true tolerance. True tolerance doesn't involve accepting every viewpoint as true and valid. It involves treating with love and humility someone whose opinions you believe to be untrue and invalid. A tolerant Buddhist, for example, is not one who accepts as true and valid the Hindu idea of the eternal soul. That would require a denial of the Buddha's doctrine of no soul. The tolerant Buddhist is one who, while rejecting this particular Hindu belief, nonetheless treats Hindus with kindness and respect. In the same way, being a tolerant Christian doesn't involve accepting contrary beliefs as valid, as vehicles of the sacred. It involves treating with love those whose views we regard to be untrue and invalid. True tolerance is the ability to treat with grace those with whom you disagree. And this is a deeply Christian quality, especially since the Lord proclaimed in our gospel is the epitome of humility, love and gentleness. 
Pluralism promises much, but it delivers very little. The mission equation of Psalm 96, in fact, of the whole Bible, remains solid and compelling for those who live under God's word. There is one Lord to whom all people belong and owe their allegiance. And so the people of the Lord must promote this reality everywhere. Monotheism and mission are intimately related. The existence of just one God makes our mission to the many essential. Hope 103.2 Thanks for listening.